Desi, what is going on, man? Pleasure to Dude. have you. Appreciate you being here. Dude, of course. I actually uh, randomly came across what you were doing. And the thing that pinged me aside from the messaging, if I have this correct, you're in Reno, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. So uh, I have some weird connections to Reno. So anytime that I see anyone from there or who lives there, I'm always like, bro, blessings. You're your friend, your friend to me. So dude, I'm honored to be on, man. Thank you. Heck yeah. Thank you. You know, you're the <laughs> first one that's ever like that's not lived in Reno that's shed a positive. People talk shit. Hey, yeah. <laughs> dude, hey, people talk shit on Reno. They talk shit about Tucson too. I mean, that's where I'm based. I'm like, yep. you guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Whatever. Yeah. Arizona <laughs> has a second place in my heart too. It's a weird way to say that. But my wife went to grad school down in Glendale. And we love Tucson, Sedona, Scottsdale. We just got back from there this last week. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's like the most gorgeous place on the planet, but I love Arizona too. Next time I'm down there, I'll definitely hit you up, but I I appreciate you coming on podcast is long overdue. Uh, We were joking before hit record here that this was something that I had reached out or we had talked about two years ago, almost. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Of your second kid, I believe. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it kind of just got pushed on the back burners, like dad life happens. And I just reached yeah. out recently when I was trying to get some guests on and I'm happy we're making it happen. So just a little backstory for the people like I've been Same. trying to on and uh, <laughs> I know the conversation is going to be great today. I want to give you an intro before I let you do your thing. Yeah. Uh, I love having guests on my podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do. You've always obviously have been somebody in the back of my mind for the last two years. Because I think the work that you've done, especially in like the men's health space is so appreciated from another content creator, from another coach that works. I'm not going to say I work primarily with men, but just seeing the content that you create, the message that you deliver, uh, the populations that you serve, men and women, of course, to be able to be included in this bunch as well. But and if people don't follow you, they need to. And I just, I I thought there was going to be a lot of cool conversations that we could have today that build on the messages that you've been kind of spitting out for like your whole life pretty much now. (laughs) Just wanted to give you a shout out. Tell the people who you are. You said you're from Tucson. Um, You do your story, do your little word vomit there, and then we'll kind of take the conversation from from there. Dude, Luke, like I said, man, completely honored to to be on. And for all of our listeners out there, this this has been a two-year process. Uh, I really value the type of people who can just really hold space when a friendship or some type of uh, companionship are just going through it and you're like, dude, it's okay. <laughs> so Luke, thank you for that. You're a real one. Uh, but yeah, what's up everyone? Desi Abeda here. Uh, anytime that anyone asks me like, Hey, like what's your story? I think my elevator pitch is always, you know, I'm, I'm a proud husband, proud father, Latino dietitian, entrepreneur. And then I'm all the other things because I think what I try to focus in on are the things that I really do. And those things right there are definitely that, uh, you know, how I started this whole process, my career, what I'm doing now. Um, you know, I was, <laughs> uh, people laugh at me when I say this, but I don't care. Uh, I was going through it in college as well. Uh, but I was on the seven year plan, you know, going through our program. Uh, I didn't know that I wanted to be a dietitian. I think primarily the way that I started out was, trying to get into med school and then organic chemistry happened. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to med school, (laughs) but it just so happened that, uh, the public health, uh, I guess, program that we were in was also the nutritional sciences. So it was a nice transition into just like, okay, well, I can't be a pediatrician. Like I've always wanted to, but I can help out from the standpoint of food and, you know, being a Latino, we, we speak through our food. Like that's a lot of our communications. It's how we communicate love. And I think what's really interesting about that process is I started to understand that I started to also understand the comorbidities and the morbidities of what happens inside of our culture. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't have to be like this. Uh, We're a celebrated culture. Like we need to have people who are in ranks in science and health and habits of how to coach my people. Right. So I think that's primarily Luke, how it started. You know, I, I started off in my career with eating disorders. It's where I met my wife. You know, she was the uh, trauma therapist and eating disorder therapist. And I was the dietitian. You know, we constantly joke running groups together. Like you can't not share that level of vulnerability with people and hold space for that and not connect in some sort of way. Um, so we met back. Wow. 
we've been together for almost 11 years and saying this out loud is fucking crazy. But uh, we met, did, you know, doing that, um, you know, we did the millennial thing. We, uh, we had a kid, bought a home and then got married. So uh, we'll be celebrating uh, three years here coming up uh, fairly soon or four years rather. I'm glad she's not listening to this. She's going to get so mad at me. Uh, we'll be celebrating four years but uh, yeah, man, I think stepping into entrepreneurship has been really special for me because even through my messaging or who I started out working with, when I first became a dietitian and, and also uh, the same year started my business uh, was also the same year that I had my daughter. And I think one of the things that I I didn't know how to speak to, but I also knew how to teach was really coaching fathers through like, hey, this is how you can feed your kids, like primarily we're starting to to be more equal in what we're doing at home. And and let's be honest, like past generations didn't really teach us a lot about that. Like if you had a role in the family as a man, like you provided and that was pretty much it, like go provide. And I think what is really beautiful now is those tables started to turn a bit more where I saw a metric the other day that was like millennial fathers are spending 300% more time with their kids or something like that. Some crazy ass stat. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I really valued the time that my dad spent with us, but at the same time, like he was working a lot. And I think what's really cool about now and how I started, like my messaging was really guiding dads through like, Hey, here's how you can become a more intentional father. And in that process, you can also be a healthy role model. So nutrition, your fitness, how you handle stress, your sleep, like all of those things that I have sort of coined as like your high performing assets, your high performing, high performing rituals can all be a part of you just being a healthier role model at home. So, you know, that message has definitely carried me uh, in a lot of ways. I love talking about it because, I mean, Luke, you probably know this too. Uh, if we're providing a message, we have to play the part, right? We have to be the healthy role model. So I think throughout this process, it's been really cool just starting my business in 2017, but doing it correctly in 2019 of really speaking to dads and just really opening it up to just different phases in my life. You know, I think entrepreneurship is a, is a really cool blessing because your business and your idea will only evolve to the level that you do. And personally, I've, I've, I've seen that in my life where it was primarily just working with dads and then it was just working with men. And then it opened up into like, who are the types of people that I want to serve? And at the time I was working in professional baseball. So it was like, I really love working with elite level athletes. And then as I started to become friends with a lot of these athletes, a lot of them started to go from, well, I'm competing at the highest level and I don't know what's next. But when I know that that moment of pivot comes about, like, what do I do? Well, I should create a business and utilize all the networks that I have. So it's really transitioned, Luke, into serving athlete entrepreneurs and guiding them through whatever high performance looks like in their life um, as we tail it back to like what fulfills you. Like we And we all kind of know like what when we're stepping up into an endeavor and we're bringing our whole self, like we know what that looks like because we also know what a half-ass effort looks like as well. So that's my long-winded way of saying it's been an evolution. I'm so glad to be on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Same dude. And thank you for that. I didn't know any of that. So I'm, uh, yeah. I'm sitting here with the listeners, like learning myself as well. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of areas like at school, how you met your wife, having kids, like you brought yeah. up like the, the millennial way of things. Like it's yeah. so millennial, like starting your own business, leaving maybe like a nine to five yeah. job while you're creating yeah. family. Like that's the most millennial shit I've ever heard <laughs> yeah. um, and making it work. You know, I think that's a really yeah. good part, but the word that I've latched onto and wrote down here was evolution. And you said it at the end there, just to kind of see the evolution of everyone's lives as they kind of yeah. transition through different seasons of, you know, yeah. their life, their situations, the people they meet, the work that they do, the priorities that they have. It's uh, it's something that we all share with one another. And I appreciate you telling your RD story and maybe wanted to be a doctor <laughs> somewhere in that space because biochem yeah. was a class that happened for me. I know you said, okay, Dude, biochem, <laughs> biochem, man, you put bio and chemistry together Ugh. and it's just like speaking Japanese at some level. So yeah, um, having that pivot to have some feel to like, yeah, I think I'm going to like try this dietetics routes, maybe a little less, uh, Man, a intense. little less school and intense and <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, work. You maybe get compensated less in the beginning, but it's uh, it's worth yeah. it. Just kind of seeing 
man, not to turn this into a cultural episode. I, I love this idea of like, hey, Latino, like you eat for a lot of different fucking reasons other than being. Yeah, bro, I love it. <laughs> and I think uh, I think a lot of people kind of get into this notion that like, oh, I'm changing my health and my fitness. It's like I just got to stop eating or I got to eat less or I got to just yeah. follow this meal plan when you fail to realize that like eating has so many different inputs other than you being hungry or than you achieving yeah. a goal. Right. And then like how it fits into you culturally and socially mm-hmm. and, um, from a stress management standpoint and like people yeah. eating as coping mechanisms. I mean, you probably saw that as in both ends of the spectrum working in like an eating disorder clinic, which yeah. I most respect for. I was, uh, dude, so funny side story. I was, when I was starting my first year out in clinical dietetics, we were, um, employed by UHS, which whatever, but we spent a, um, or I was per diem. So I had to cover for this lady who covers all the eating disorder clinics in Northern Nevada. And I was, yeah. who was able to cover for her because the other full-time dietitians like had shit to do Monday to Friday. Yeah. And I'll never forget that experience because nothing can prepare you for that oh. school in certification thing. Until you get into the, you know, the battle, until you get into the trenches working with these clients, these 12, yeah. 13, 14 year old, these females, even men at some point, like mm-hmm. it's, it's very, man, it's very fascinating to see how the human mind can just create havoc for people and how it can be really our own worst weapon in some levels. Uh, it can, especially if we look at what we're talking about today, being a high-performing human, that's kind of what we're going to transition to next. I love that yeah. word that you kind of. I don't think you created it. You can't like create words, but you put no, those you just put together. it together. <laughs> totally. But um, just like the mindset piece of this and and how like you can use your mind. And again, it's not like always intentional, like people with eating disorders, like it's not that they're like trying to elicit this harm or this, you know, yeah. pain on themselves, but it's just crazy how powerful the brain is. So um, you bringing that up is I have a lot of respect especially for male eating disorder dietitians. It's just not a space that people not. get really good at or are trained in. And it's, uh, it's definitely a, a place that can open your eyes real fucking quick, man. Bro. I always tell this to young RDs. I mean, my, um, some of the oldest of five, you know, four boys and then a girl. So my sister, uh, just got her MSRD. So she just, you know, went through her program, took her test, you know, did great. So like, and she just got her, uh, her first adult job. So Marisa, shout out to you if you listen to this. Uh, but we were we were chatting and I and I was telling her and I usually tell anyone who is trying to come into the profession. I'm like, listen, you want to do this at a really high level, get some eating disorder experience. And so usually they'll kind of look at me like, OK, why? It's like if you can learn how to and this goes beyond motivational interviewing, like it goes beyond that. Like, OK, that's one tool that school teaches you, but it's not a really massively effective tool. If you can learn how to hold space for someone's deep, deep, systemic, oftentimes generational pain and not work to fix it, but work to be a safe person. And then once you're the safe person, guide them through that journey of what it looks like to create a healthier relationship with food, their bodies, all the things as as we as dietitians try to coach people with, right? If you can do all those things, like I tell you 100%, you can teach anyone else how to do that. Because Luke, to your point, like you're absolutely in the trenches. And I think most people sort of see eating disorders. And I hope education is happening for most inside of our profession and beyond. Uh, it's not just like the the skinny girl's disease, but like how connected it is to traumatic events that people have had in their lives, whether it's through, you know, what, what's happened in their family or whether it's through just some really, I've heard some horrible stories, man. And I think for me, stepping away was the right move because I needed to take a break. Um, like my wife is constantly in the trenches. And since we've had our kids, she's taken a break. And to be honest, bro, like that's been the biggest blessing because if you do that type of work, like your mother Teresa incarnated inside of the field, because you do that type of work and you start to lose hope in, in the world. Like you really do. Cause it's like this type of stuff happens, you know? And I think what is really fruitful about the people that go down this path. And I'm always honest with people when I work with them uh, to that end, it's like, Hey, this is going to be a process. It's not going to be fixed overnight. There's going to be moments of discomfort, but I am here with you. And the the quicker that we can make this result of you getting to uh, a milestone, because there's 
I'm of the mind and some might differ that uh, recovery is an ongoing process. Like it's, there's no end goal to recovery because you're always going to be constantly being proactive about your self-care, being proactive about what you need to do to take care of yourself through some of life's triggers. I always tell them like, Hey, if we can develop that trust and if we can develop honesty, like some really cool things are going to happen. And I think honestly, look, that translates into just working with clients in general, like, Hey, maybe it's not really that you need to be honest with me, but you need to be honest with yourself. Yep. And only, you know, that. And if I can hold that space for you and we can actually start overcoming a lot of these, whether it's limiting beliefs, whether it's, you know, past conditioning, like some really cool things are going to happen. So dude, uh, for those that are out in the trenches doing that type of work, uh, blessings it's, it's tough. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I'm happy you related that back to the fact that like everybody yeah. at some level will go through that on their own, right? You don't have to be mm-hmm. at the, you know, this end of the extreme where you're struggling yeah. with anorexia or binge eating disorder. Um, which again, I think are a lot more common in super common we live in today and undiagnosed. <laughs> yes. But I'm happy your wife is taking some time because man, I I did that for two months. I couldn't imagine doing that for more than a year, two years. Like it just takes so much out of you. And uh, man, that path with just like eating disorders and the fact that like you mentioned that it's not somebody coming in and being like, hey, what you're doing is wrong and this is what you should be doing. It's like if that's 100%. your expression going into this population. And again, like this could be translated to maybe other populations too, but especially with young females, young boys, like young people who are yeah. struggling through with disordered eating patterns, relationship problems with their food, body dysmorphia, um, body image kind of issues. Like you can't expect to just walk in and be like, Oh, Hey, you're really skinny. And like, like, bro, yeah. that's their goal, right? You gotta, you gotta be able to, <laughs> yeah. you gotta be able to yeah. get in there. And like you said, build a relationship with them. And then ideally that will open up different opportunities for you to connect deeper with them. And then to continue carrying them down a path that might be more beneficial for them going forward. And it's a long process and it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of like psychological work more than X's and O's of like what you should be should or shouldn't be doing with your nutrition. And I find that that's so fucking similar to like, you're a coach, I'm a coach, but like working with humans, right? Yeah. At some level we have to um, build some awareness. We have to build an appreciation or understanding for what we're yeah. doing and use that kind of starting point to get us to a place that's better. Right. And challenging some of those previous thoughts and beliefs that maybe we've been telling ourselves forever. And this kind of brings us back to this like high performing human that mm-hmm. I love the the terminology that you use. Yeah. But, um, I want to talk about that for a little bit, because I think that is something that everybody can relate to and something that yeah everybody is trying to to strive for it. The fact that it's not always this end destination that we're trying to get to a body fat percentage, uh, a salary earning a position in your job. Like there's just so many things that, you know, go into what it means to be a high performing human and feeling, you know, satisfied and, and having this like level of satisfaction with your life. And I think just being a high performer in general is something that you start to like excel in a lot of different pillars instead of just focusing on one or two. Yeah. A lot of people can find a kind of find themselves working towards at any given moment, but just give me your definition of a, like a high performing human is or what that. Yeah. Means. Yeah. And it's, uh, it applies to your life and we can go from there. I mean, we'll start with how it applies to my life. Uh, cause I mean, I don't think that I coined the phrase to any extent, but I use it a lot because, uh, for me, a high performing human is is relative to the human and i think that's what's really special about it so for me luke i used to tell a lot of my clients that i would work with was you know i'm i'm con- we're, we're constantly the duality of all the things that we hold is is really special like we're all ha- we all have these different hats so in my life i would always kind of like talk with my clients and i'm like listen you know as we go through this process Okay, you want to like you want to look good naked. Like that's usually one thing that a lot of clients come in they're like I just want to like feel good about my body. So like I always coach them through the and guide them through the idea that like hey, all of these things like these body changes that you want, this confidence that you're looking at, like those things will happen over time. In the meantime, we need to hold space for all the hats that you wear. So I used to guide them through like this kind of like storytelling feature of like just being really honest and vulnerable with them. Like listen, I like to think that I hold the hats of being a husband, being a parent, being an entrepreneur, 
And then really just being an individual, like just working on myself. And at times, and through a lot of our times, to be honest, uh, in a lot of our lives, if my marriage is doing great, sometimes parenting is is taking a hit. But if parenting is doing great, you're damn sure that you don't got time to beat it with your with your significant other. So marriage takes a hit. At times when business is fucking booming, my marriage is down because I'm spending more time in my business. And if business is booming and my, you know, parenting is is up, then marriage is down and my self care is down. So like I always kind of like used to guide them through those principles. And when we look at what a a high performing human is, once again, it's relative to who you are. But I think what is even more fruitful is we know when we are showing up as our truest and authentic selves with all those hats that we wear. We know who that person looks like. And you know what? If you don't, then we also know who we admire in those spaces. So what I tend to find is, and this kind of goes back to vision work. This goes back to like how you manifest and, and how you create systems for yourself. But if you admire, I remember when I was a brand new parent, like I looked at parents that I really admired and I would ask them, right? Like, Hey, why do you do what you do? And I would get some guiding tools. Like, it's kind of like the podcast, like how things work, right? How it works. So like understanding like what makes them tick, which honestly created the idea for the can't believe I made a podcast where it's like, I just want to talk to high performing people and understand what makes them tick. And I feel like guests and, and also people listening would really love this too. So we kind of take that concept of the high performing human and we sort of put it, put the onus back on the human and the individual. What does it look like to show up as your healthiest self in your marriage or your relationships? What does it look like to show up in your business or your career? What does it look like to show up, you know, for for some that are parents? Like, what does it look like to show up as a healthy individual? You know, maybe you didn't have a uh, a perfect example of what that looked like, or maybe you were fortunate enough to have phenomenal parents. It's like, you know, I, I need to replicate some of those things. So, Luke, it kind of goes back to like understanding the type of person that you want to be with the duality that you hold with all the different hats that you wear. And then it goes back to, and I think you and I share this. I just, I love a lot of your messaging and how honest you are. Um, you and I share the comedic relief of making fun of people because <laughs> it's funny, yep. but I think going back to, it's like, I like to look at four pillars inside of the programs that I teach inside of how I, Message the podcast, anything like that. And it goes back to like fitness, how you move, right? Nutrition, how you eat. It goes back to feelings, you know, self-care, like, you know, how you cope and then how you sleep. So those are the four pillars that I navigate my whole life. Anyone that comes into any of my programs, like we are navigating our life in these four pillars because we kind of know that like on the fitness front, if we're training, we have a competition or merely just training, we kind of know what it feels like to dick around and not eat and then go train. And then for some of us who've been fortunate enough to get some guidance and coaching, we also know what it feels like to take care of ourselves and to go rock a session and do it really well. Right. So that reminds us that we can do hard things and that the details matter. And it's the same thing on the sleep front. You know, just the, the mere idea of going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time and making that a ritual. And then doing less of the phone before bed, like all of the tactics that a lot of us talk about, once again, I think it reminds us that the details matter. And I think as we look at it across like the four pillars, what I try to do is I'll take a look at the human, I'll take a look at the person, and then we'll look at opportunity areas. Because what's really cool about that, Luke, and I'm, and I'm sure you come across this a lot with your clients as well, as they start to take care of themselves, then they start to open up opportunities. They start to remind themselves like, oh shit, like I'm not made of glass. Like I can actually, you know, go for this job promotion or I can like stop hating what I'm doing and allowing that to kill my, my energy. And I can go honor this big idea that I have. And I think like, again, we talked about evolution before and where I am now working mostly with athlete entrepreneurs, I, I get to honor those pieces of myself too, because we get to talk about this beautiful moment in a lot of our lives that we've all felt to some extent. And that's the pivot. We've all had moments where it's like, you know what? This shit ain't working. <laughs> and we all know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. 
And I think what's really cool about that is if you're taking care of yourself enough to build awareness in some of these different areas and something is no longer aligned with you, you get to make the valiant decision to make another decision, to go pivot and to do something else. And so I think going back to what being a high performing human is, it, well, it's relative to the human and it honestly allows you to honor some of the things you want most in life whether that is a fruitful marriage or fruitful uh, parenthood, a fruitful career, a fruitful entrepreneurial you know, in, endeavor, you get to honor those things. And I think that's what's really cool about that because I wish I could give you a, a watered down definition, but I, I think it points back to like, bro, like what, what, what lights you up? Like, what, what do you want to do in life? Like, how can I help you with that? And I think that's where we can start creating those high-performing habits and rituals to help you become a more high-performing human. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I think from everything you just said, the biggest thing that I took away from that is like, this all requires a lot of nuance and individualization to the it really does who is listening to this, the person who's trying to change their, their health, their life, their marriage, their happiness. It's, uh, it's, Far too often, and again, as content creators, like you kind of know the difficulty of this. Like when you speak to the masses, when you talk on podcasts, like at some level we have to generalize, right? And then when we get to work with somebody one-on-one or maybe in a group setting, or maybe when you're having more points of communication, like that's where the individualization can come in. And that's when we can start to to get into the, you know, quote unquote weeds a little bit more after the basics and the fundamentals are in check. Um, So I do think think that there's a place for broad general topics, especially in like health and fitness. And ironically, there are a lot of things that we already know, like, can we get into bed for seven to nine hours a night? Can we try, yeah. and get, you know, four to six servings of fruit and, fruits and vegetables? Yeah. Can we get a protein source at meals? Like, mm-hmm. um, can we be able to just prioritize rest and recovery around our training? Like there's a lot of big general concepts that are going to kind of be a blanket yeah. for most people, but there's always that step that has to go a little bit further. And a lot of times you got to do that with yourself as the person listening, um, Mm -hmm. myself and you included where, how does this pertain to my life? What season of life am I in? What situation am I in? What have I tried? What have I done in the past? And Mm -hmm. where do I uh, sit here today? And how do I want to show up for myself a year from now? Cause that's going to look different for fucking everybody. And so I think one of the things that I appreciate you saying is like, you really have to take the time and take a step back and apply all of this to your life. Like you mentioned the pillars that you work in your coaching feelings, Mm -hmm. fitness, nutrition, sleep, all really phenomenal things that might, you know, go into somebody's pillar of like physical health or well being, right. In addition to their career, in addition to their relationships, in addition to their finances or their religion or their faith, like, like, there's going to be multiple, multiple different um, pillars that people might come up with for yourself. And then within those pillars, there's pillars within the pillar, right? So yeah. kind of this like yeah. domino effect. And when you like put it all out on paper, it can be kind of overwhelming to see all of these things listed out. And that's why like, we're not here to say, do it all at once. Right. But maybe mm-hmm. audit yourself and you check in and be like, what's going really well. You mentioned earlier, Hey, my career is biz- booming. Yeah. My Parenthood is good, but like, I haven't had a date with my wife in a month and a half, you know, and like, that's not good. So yeah, really being honest with yourself and like looking at, Hey, what are the lowest hanging fruits here? So to speak. And and how can I start to capitalize and change things? And to me, like, that's where I feel like we've kind of come full circle of like, that's how you're going to kind of transition into version 2.0 of yourself or become a high performing human and just yeah. be a better version of who you are as a spouse, as a father, as a brother, as you know, mm-hmm. who you are for yourself and how you All the hats life going through for, you know? So I love that. That's kind of what I heard from it. You know, it's, it's funny, Luke. Cause like, I mean, even looking at all the things that you're doing, um, What's cool is like I we get to share this space with other creators who are doing some really phenomenal things. And it's been kind of nice to get out of the scarcity mindset of like, I don't need to compete with you all because I think we're all trying to say the same message. With the, with the people that you work with, Luke, do you find that it's hard for them to understand that while the, the goals and aspirations that they have are really important to them and... Uh, Hopefully they're value-based. 
Is it hard for them to hold space for being realistic about whether it's timeline or the amount of work that goes into it? Because I don't know about you. I, I tend to find that it's really hard for that, for a lot of people that I speak with to understand that like, Hey, you're wearing a lot of hats. If you want to throw some of them away and we just want to focus on this one thing, these other things are going to take a hit. So I don't know, like, am I the only one like seeing this? Cause I, I hope not. Absolutely not, man. Yeah. You're kind of preaching to the choir here. And that's like kind of the difficulty of like being a coach in this space, you know, is like loose of a definition of, Oh, I'm a fitness coach online. It's like, okay, yeah. what the fuck do you actually do? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's kind of a mysterious job for a lot of people who are observers or who haven't gone through an experience working with a coach and any coach. And I'm happy yeah. you say that. Cause like, I view people like you and others as like my coworkers instead of like mm -hmm. competition yeah. thing. And I think us getting together and doing stuff like this can only bring some amount of good. Yeah. I'm biased and I'm maybe just blowing smoke of my own ass, but like these conversations I think are important for everybody to hear and just kind of how yeah. our brains tick and operate. But to answer your question, I think you hit it on the head, man. You're not the only one that, that sees that. And for me, like when it comes to coaching and, and what I've found is like the most important thing for a lot of people that I come um, into contact with or who I work with is this concept of like making their worst better instead of yeah. always making their baseline best even yeah. better than what that already is. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a weird way to wrap your head around those words, but when it comes to nutrition and fitness, right? A lot of people become somewhat blinded or narrow-minded to the fact that like, okay, you know, I'm not happy with my physical results or my performance results right now. Mm -hmm. So I need to do what I'm doing even more. Or I need to do it better. I need to do, you know, more of that. And I need to yeah. have an accountability source to, to be better at that. When in reality, it's like, Hey, maybe what you're doing is fine and it's adequate, but maybe it's the sleep that you're not acknowledging that is yeah. one of the biggest factors. Maybe it's your stress management. Maybe it's alcohol consumption. Maybe it's mm -hmm. not taking enough rest days. Maybe it's you've been chronically in that restrictive mindset, kind of like you alluded to, and maybe yeah. you eat a thousand more calories a day and how can we get you to that spot? But a lot of times people just think like, I got to white knuckle it and I just, I know what I need yeah. to do. So I got to do it better than what I have been doing. And that's going to get me to where I want to be. And for me, coaching is all about like, what can we find that's kind of missing right now? And then how can we make what your baseline worst is? And for some people, you know, we have these rebound effects where they go full throttle for a few weeks and then they loosen up for a month, right? And then they go through month after month in this kind of vicious cycle where they're really on or they're really off, right? Like how yeah. can we develop more consistently consistency throughout those months instead of having these, you know, stop and start cycles like we've been going through. So again, it's hard because like all of this is going to be individualized to the person and what we do with somebody is going to be very different from another person, but yeah. the basics are always the same. It's like, what do we know that we need to get a minimum effective dose of for all these different buckets or pillars in your life? And yep. that's usually the thing that gets them to a place where they're like, fuck that clicks. And that's what, that's what I need to be doing instead. Bro. I love that minimum effective dose. Um, I'm going to bite that from you. Uh, I've heard it plenty of times. I'm 100% I'm going to bite it. Uh, cause I think it's true. Cause I, I think, you know, one of the things that we had chatted about a little bit is like what it means to be mediocre, like what it means for an individual who wants to live a high performing life. Right. And I think what's important there is that we need to be realistic about our time and the energy that we spend. And I oftentimes found this with a lot of people that I've worked with in the first couple of you know, weeks where it's like really coaching them through like, Hey, it's not that it's not that you missed a, you know, a, a gym day as we're starting to create a foundation for you. It's not that you're lazy. Okay. It's not that you can't do it. It just might be looking into the details a little bit more. So going back to the idea of like a minimum effective dose where it's like, Hey, one is we need to be realistic about what you can do. The other thing that we need to understand is also your energy output throughout the day. Most people, Luke, have never heard the term decision fatigue or have never sat with how many fucking decisions we make every single day. So if you're starting something new and it's hard, it makes total sense that if you're waiting for after work and you've worked the whole day, you've made all these decisions for someone like myself who gets done with work, has to go be a parent, put the kids down and then, you know, try to spend like the maybe hour that I have with my wife. And then I want to go work out. 
if it's not a system for me and it's had to become one because my kids don't freaking sleep, <laughs> uh, if it's not a system for me, like I, it's not fair for me to say like, I missed a workout. I'm lazy. I'm not dedicated. I'm not dedicated to myself. It's literally a realistic look at what is my energy output. And if I need to go do something that's hard, right. Whether it's something that is more habit and ritual based, a hard conversation, a hard decision, I should probably make that shit earlier in the day. <laughs> and I think from a, from the standpoint of minimum effective dose, I would I would also like take it a step further and say like, also helping people to understand like when are you the most effective? Because I think we have a general idea. Some of us really love morning. Some of us love lunchtime. Some of us love, you know, late night. But it really goes back to like if you have to do one thing for yourself. And, and I and I coach a lot of people through this because I, I I do work with a lot of parents, right? Um, where it's like, what helps you to fill your cup? Because if you're trying to pour from an empty cup, it's going to be really hard for you to show up in these other areas if you're stressed and you're an asshole. Like it just, you're not a good parent or like a good spouse or, or, or a good friend, family member. We kind of know that, right? And I think it go, points back to that concept of like, what does it mean to be a high performing human? It also means being honest with yourself being honest with your energy output and also understanding the, the concept of decision fatigue and what that has to do with your overall performance. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm biting what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank I'll you give you credit though. <laughs> yeah, no, the decision fatigue is real, you know, and you know, a lot of times what I'll see is we talk about kind of this minimum effective dose concept is what happens is when something is lacking or multiple things are lacking, what we get is this like multiplication by zero effect where, mm -hmm. Hey, you're doing all these things, maybe a handful of things really well. Maybe your yeah. calories are dialed in, your nutrition is on point, your training and your volume is on point, but you're not sleeping at all. Right. Or you're, you know, in yeah. a father stage where, you know, you have a newborn, you're not sleeping. You're not sleeping <laughs> a ton, you know? And it's like, yeah. yeah, not to say that there can't be, progress to be made on some of these things, but I love how you brought up just like this expectation versus kind of reality. Like what is possible yeah. out of the current situation that I'm in? And unfortunately, like as people age and as they get older and as they take on all these responsibilities, you think you have the same amount of time and possibilities and results on the table as when we do when we're 21, when we were just working out and going to class every day, you know, seriously, and <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of a harsh reality, but I don't want people to be afraid of that necessarily, because that's when people can kind of get on this other side of like viewing progression in a different light, being more appreciative of the progress that they do make in a season where maybe they wouldn't have made progress at all. And that to them is a huge revolution in their life that they're more appreciative of, and, and they're in a place of gratitude for. Right. Um, but it's kind of this like minimum effective dose and this like multiplication by zero is what comes to mind where it's like, yep. there's a lot of things that can cancel out some of the other things that you're doing. Yeah. So relating it to your kind of story where it's like, Hey, I only have an hour to go work out. It's like, well, how many times are you working out? Right. Oh, you're trying to make five or four days a week training an hour a time. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, maybe we're doing two or three a week and maybe managing that expectation where mm -hmm. we're maintaining whatever progress that you have, but we have an hour or two hours or three hours a week back with your wife or back with your kid. Right. And yep. so it's just, man, it's just challenging what you think to be true, you know? And, and I think that's where having a coach can really help and, and really just, you know, be able to, I don't think it's really coach's job to tell people what to do. It's, it's more to tell them where to look sometimes or what I they could do to, what they could do to maybe change their approach and their appreciation for what everything is out on the table and how they can build on that. And sometimes it takes cutting back on things that you're doing quote unquote really well to be able to make space and time for the other things that are going to give you more of a return on your investment because you're not meeting that minimum effective dose right now. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that. I, I think even just going through the evolution of the past two years, since you were like, Des, I'd love for you to jump on the pod. And then I just got lost in shit. Um, I've had to even look at like my level of fitness and my relationship with fitness, my relationship with taking care of myself just across the pillars in different phases, you know, cause I think, you know, we've been incredibly fortunate to, to have the opportunity, you know, this past summer to go live in Portland for the summer. So I kind of knew like, you know, I don't have my garage gym. Like my garage gym is my fucking sanctuary. Like I love it. And I've created it in a way where it's like, I'm feeling any sort of way and I got to take care of myself. 
there's really no barrier. I don't got to drive anywhere. I can just literally just go out the door. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to create that garage gym, like in 2019, right before the pandemic hit. So like when everyone was paying, you know, $500 for 25 pound dumbbells, like I already had my setup. I had everything right. So looking back on it now, like even when we were there for the summer, and this is kind of my favorite thing to guide my clients through as well. It's like being incredibly realistic about that minimum effective dose. So I didn't have my garage gym, but I brought a kettlebell and I told myself like, we're going to be doing a shit ton of hiking. So I'm going to have to, okay, have to be okay with coming back and not being as strong as I once was, but coming back incredibly fulfilled with adventure, with my family, with my wife and and I did that. And I think that's one thing that we have to remind ourselves that as we go through these different seasons of life, we need to fall back on the systems that carry us. You know, one of my favorite sayings uh, comes from Atomic Habits, right? It, it's you're you're going to fall back on your systems, not the goals that you create. You're never going to rise to them. You're going to fall back on your systems. And I think for a lot of us that if if we understand that minimum effective dose or that minimum effective habit that is going to help carry us through a season of life. I think that piece is is monumental, man, because it always hurts my heart anytime I work with someone where they're like going on a vacation and they're like, well, what should I be doing? It's like, go on the vacation. Why? If you can get your steps in and the images that you provide inside of the app, uh, show me that you have, you know, balanced plate, you got protein, you got color, you got some quality carbohydrates, like we're gravy, bro. Like have fun. <laughs> and I think that piece is big, man, because I think people get lost in the sauce of like, constantly trying to elevate themselves without also understanding and having gratitude for that moment. You know, I shared this Luke, the, uh, maybe a month or two ago, but, um, you know, work has me traveling a ton. You know, I've been incredibly fortunate to be traveling the world in the past year and a half with some of the new endeavors that I've embarked in. And, uh, I ended up bringing my five minute journal just cause I was kind of feeling some sort of way, you know, just like, you know, like, I think I'm getting lost in the sauce of like elevating and I'm not truly like engaging in the moment. And I need some reminders, uh, shout out to intelligent change, you know, sponsor this podcast, please. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I brought one and I have a ton like in this bookshelf behind me. Uh, you know, I've, I've been doing it since 2018. Like, so I have a ton of five minute journals. I grabbed the wrong one. And so I went to open it and it was from 2019 and like, dude, I, I ended up like getting really emotional. And anytime I talk about it, I, I still feel a lot of those emotions coming up, but I opened it up and all the things that I was either grateful for or trying to position myself of visualizing myself of what it might feel to be at this different space. Like I'm currently living. And I was like, shit like that. That was a real big punch in the face for me. Cause I was like, I need to stop trying to elevate so much and be incredibly grateful and, and truthful to like where I am in the moment, because like, there's a lot of things to complain about, but there's also a lot of things to be grateful for. And I think that's one thing that since that has happened to me, if I'm feeling any sort of way about my career, about my business, about what I'm doing, like I, I almost like prick myself. I'm like, yo, like chill the fuck out. Like, this is not the move. The move is, what is happening right now that you dreamt would happen a couple of years ago, last month, whatever. And that's, what's really fruitful, man. It's, it's changed my perspective going back to the high performing human thing It's changed my perspective on what it means to be a high performing human. Yep. I'm really happy you brought that up too. Cause I have my notes here and I've written all over them and I'm like looking <laughs> at them and I'm like, we could talk about habit formation and its relation to success. <laughs> and you use the word, build all the things goals, like all those yeah. things that we know we need to be successful with. But I also, I kind of want to go in a different direction of what you alluded to of like practicing gratitude and mm -hmm. building appreciation for the present moment. And it's funny how those two tie into one another because it's, the habits that you were doing in 2019 that you stumbled upon that you're still doing today, right? You yeah. reaching for a journal that you've been doing for four years has led you to this place where like, damn, I got to like actually sit in the moment and appreciate it. Yeah. And the words that I was writing and what I was striving for back then when I didn't have my, you know, second kid or I was earlier yeah. on in my marriage or my business had just started. And it's those moments that's like, damn, man, like what the fuck am I doing? Like what, 
what is going to be good enough, you know, and yeah. short answer is nothing, right? Like we're always going to be moving these goalposts, no matter what we do, no matter what we accomplish. And it's without, usually that happens without gratitude and, and really sitting in the moment. And, and that's kind of what I want to talk about here as we finish this up of why is gratitude so hard for people to like comprehend or implement and practice consistently and even just like get to a place where they can sit with that. And I mean, of course we're in this like hustle culture and there's always something we got to be doing yeah. and, and like social media and like all these things have fed into these, you know, instant gratification and always wanting something more or comparing ourselves to other people. But when I work with people and even myself, like it's just hard as fuck to really sit with yourself and like actually reflect, right. And actually journal or to take time to do breath work and meditate and think back to where we were this time yeah. last year and what's changed. So this is just a really long way of saying, like, I really appreciate you bringing up the gratitude piece. Cause I did have yeah. my notes to bring up. And I think that'd be a better transition instead of like talking all habits, but ironically, we wouldn't be able to, you no. know, practice gratitude without making that a habit. So whatever, whatever you yeah. do this question, I'm just curious where your brain goes. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we'll have, we'll have a moment. I'm really loving this. Uh, I need to have you on mine so we can finish this combo by the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I think it's important. And my understanding of why we don't navigate it, navigate it, even though we can understand the science, like it creates different neural pathways, right? If we have a, a constant way of thinking. And then we had, like, I always think of one of my favorite movies, uh, Inception. Uh, I always think of that where it's like, you can't create a thought for someone. Well, you can to some extent. And I think that sort of, I guess, metaphorically for me goes back to like, you can have moments that create a different process, a different way of thinking, a different line or a different way that your life goes. Right. So, uh, for any of the, uh, you know, <laughs> physics nerds uh out there quantum physics nerds like you know there's there's lives happening all around us right the universe is ever expanding there's a bunch of opportunities it's infinite so different versions of you might be living elsewhere it's like what is what is the most powerful version of you and i think we really lose out on the moment and i think that's the biggest key because we're getting lost in in comparison from a creator side and luke i know you fucking do this too so don't make me be alone here there are times where I will look at a creator that I've been looking at and following their content and engaging, just saying like, yo, you're doing a great job. In the same breath that I'll be like, hey, let me uplift this person. I'll look at their growth. And if their growth is is better than mine or, or the trajectory is better, like right away, I'm like, yo, bro, fuck you. <laughs> like, unfollow. I'm not contributing. To unfollow. This I'm just, yep. I'm done, man. And I like, I, I get caught in that too. And I think it's such a rob of the moment. And it's such a, a rob of like, the energy that you're that you're the energy output and and for someone else who doesn't really understand like what it means to create a different neural pathway or a really just a, a new way of pivoting if you will i think it's really fruitful to, to talk about like if you're able to engage in the moment right engage with your breath like feel your feet on the ground feel the air on your skin like just engaging in those moments you might be thinking to yourself like yo that's super granola like what does that even do it does a lot of things because it gives you the the biggest ritual that you can do for yourself that helps you to just, just calm the fuck down and be. Most people, Luke, can't be. Whether it's they don't enjoy the life that they're living, they don't enjoy the relationship that they're in, the career that they're in, their financial situation, like whatever, right? There's there's almost an inability for allowing yourself permission to just be. And I think that piece is huge and it's hard and it's an endeavor and it's a process and it doesn't always work right away. But like, if you're able to stack these little moments of just being in, in essence, what you end up doing is you start creating confidence. You start going out and doing really uncomfortable things because if you're living a life of comfort and it's not working for you, you need to go out and do something that scares the shit out of you, which is really hard. I can tell you, like, dude, anything that I've done up to this point, like there's been moments of comfort and I've had to change that because I noticed that I needed to pivot. But like the most beautiful things that have happened for me from a progression standpoint have been in the most uncomfortable spaces. Yep. And I usually tell people like, hey, 
<laughs> if you want to go out and do great things, I need you to go out and be really, really uncomfortable because what has been comfortable has gotten you a place where you need someone like me. And that's usually like the switch in their head. They're like, oh, shit. All right, I should probably, you know, I should probably go do some uncomfortable things. And I think that can be relative across anything that you're doing. Yeah. And again, a lot easier said than done, you know, and even in our own lives, Facts. just what we're, uh, what, what we do is also difficult. And even I find myself in all these different seasons where it's like, damn, I should be doing more. I could be offering this service or I might, you know, mm -hmm. benefit from doing some of these things. And for everybody, it's kind of this balancing act of like, okay, why am I wanting to change is what's going on in my life, you know? um, really inadequate, or is it maybe a social construct or something that like I've compared, you know, using the words you said, like if I comparing my life or my business or whatever it is, my fitness to somebody else. And now mm -hmm. my situation is seemingly, you know, a lot less than what I perceive it to yeah. be or what I did before. So I think there's always an element of like, we have to catch ourselves when we're doing that. And I think, I think in general, man, like, settling is kind of a negative word sometimes in my opinion uh, i think there's like room for being proud of yourself but always chasing progression i think is kind of a, a constructive way to do that within reason now again we say it's like a lot easier said than done because even for us sitting here it's hard as fuck for us to change our routine or what we've yeah. gone to has been hard as fuck and sometimes the ptsd of like growing pains and like you know experiencing something that was really uncomfortable oh, same. On finances not wanting whatever um discomfort that we felt to happen again like that will scare the fuck out of us and prevent us from starting something even before it happens again and that's mm -hmm. where we know deep down if we're making the right or wrong decision and um I just, I find that most people will and can benefit from taking that next step, even if it's not a big leap, but just like doing something differently, trying to yeah. think a different way. You know, you use the words like uh neuro pathways and we're kind of getting yeah. out here, but like literally creating build new destinations in your mind or paths mm -hmm. that you haven't been able to, to travel down yet. And now we're just connecting different highways to different areas of your brain. And that's usually what's going to get you to a place where you feel damn proud of, and you feel like you're able to build confidence and keep that going into whatever the next endeavor is, or make again, your baseline worst, even better in the situation that you're in right yeah. now, whatever it is that, you know, progression looks like for you or whatever you're chasing, man, it's, uh, it's going to come on the other side of being really uncomfortable for a period of time, but it's not forever really. No, it's not. And I think to your point, Luke, like sometimes maintenance is progress. Mm -hmm. It's a regeneration phase. Like, it's okay. Like, how can we maintain where you're at so that you can regenerate a little bit and find an opportunity to go do that, that thing that scares the shit out of you? You know, I, I would assume starting this podcast probably scared you. It definitely scared me on my side. Like I, I overthought the project for three years. I bought so many, so much damn coursework, downloaded so many damn PDFs of how to do it. And then finally I was like, you know what, on my yeah, I mean, it's 2019, so I'm about to be 38. So I think on my 36th birthday or something like that, I was like, you know what? December 30th, I'm done fucking around. I'm done talking shit. I'm just going to start it today. This is my greatest gift. And to be honest, bro, like I, we started off with like, hey, I love doing this. Like it's it's been one of the greatest things that I've done for myself. And I continue to do it because for me, like, uh, again, I, I love the community. Like I love the people that I talk to but it's my biggest gift because it's like, I'm doing this like for me, this is for me because it reminds me that I can go do hard things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to be really respectful of your time. We're coming up on yeah. of our time. If you have five or 10 more minutes, great. If not, we'll end it there. Cause no, let's, I got five. Let's go. Yeah. Five. Cool. I think, uh, kind of jumping into it, kind of dancing around, um, <laughs> the word dopamine is really what's coming to mind right now. <laughs> we're kind of, yeah. uh, we're flooded in a world right now where we're getting dopamine hits instantly, whether it's from notifications or social media yeah. or likes or um, taking a step further, fucking vaping or eating, right? Like getting yeah. whatever tasty food we can on Uber Eats, um, Amazon Prime, online shopping, fucking um, sports betting, gambling. Like there's just, we're constantly flooded with a ton of shit that are hitting with like I would say these like artificial sources of dopamine when in reality yeah. you alluded to some of the other dopamine seeking behaviors, grounding, 
barefoot on the grass, getting some sun exposure, getting a workout in, going on a walk, having a good conversation with your wife. Um, Man, the other thing that comes to mind is like doing the hard work. You just talked about like starting your podcast, not fucking around anymore and actually doing it right. Like taking it perfect action. It's like, those are the things that I think we should be chasing more of, but are getting clouded and diluted in a sea of shit that is just more of a distraction and taking our attention away from other things. So mm-hmm. I don't even know if I have a big question on this, but I'm curious where your thoughts are around that, because that's kind of what I've been experiencing. And I, I have that in my own life, I'll be honest, but yeah, it's dude, really same. a challenge to be able to like differentiate what you should, shouldn't be doing. And then actually acting on that, creating habits to make that more of, of an important part of your life, instead of constantly giving in to this instant gratification and, you know, these really accessible dopamine hits that are constantly, you know, surrounding us every hour that we're awake throughout the day. So curious Dude. if you've noticed that, or if you've kind of, you I know, have, we're dope have. your terminology before. So I obviously saw the outline and, uh, and saw this piece and I was like, Oh shit, this is a really good topic and a really good question. Um, all right. So I, I got a couple takes on a couple things. Uh, first things first, our phones are constantly listening to us, right. With ads and whatnot. <laughs> and I had never heard the term doom scrolling until I started getting some of these ads for like the headway app and like other things. And I was like, fuck is doom scrolling. And then like, I got to a point as the ad started to to come in over the, over the month. And I was like, shit, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm just like swiping and I'm not really conscious of the message. I'm not fruitfully sitting there with the message. I'm just doing that. So I think first things first with the doom scrolling, the thing that really changed things was uh, actually another app, uh, Opal. Uh, I don't know if you've come across it or used it, but uh, you get to create yourself boundaries uh, and it, and it boosts your productivity. And I think what's really nice is over time, it gives you metrics on like, this is how much time you just gained back from not doom scrolling. And I think what's really interesting is not only just the features that they have, cause it, it, it makes it thoroughly impossible. If you set a metric for Instagram for one hour and you try to go over, it won't let you. <laughs> That's what I think is, is fantastic. And so I've gone through phases of that, of, being really intentional about how I'm using social media and on the business side, being really getting better at being social on social instead of just merely just consuming, but like engaging, reaching out to people like, yo, you're doing a great fucking job. I just want to let you know, like no strings attached. I'm just saying what up. So I think those pieces are huge because I think going back, um, again, I mean, I, I described the neural pathway piece because I think the brain is just the key to everything that we're doing. And it's such a a crazy thing and a science that I don't get yet. (laughs) And I don't know if I ever will. I don't know if you're not going to pay me to, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you're not going to pay me to go back to school. So I'm not doing that ever. Um, But like, I I think about the reticular activating system, right? And we've all experienced this to some extent, you know, for any of us who have gone out and like wanted to buy a new car, all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere. It's not that those things just existed. It's just that your focus to those things started to create an opportunity for you to be aware. So I always think about that when when these things happen. And so when we chase real dopamine and you're and you're flooded with opportunities of mindfulness, meditation, going on walks. For me, like I love hoop. Like I, I love playing basketball. So like playing basketball for me and, and climbing for me is like the way that I create different neural pathways and the way that I remind myself that like I can overcome adversity type of thing, right? And so I think if you're constantly reminding yourself and creating opportunities to be aware of all the moments that you have to take care of yourself, you're likely going to take care, right? Jay Shetty has this saying and one that I'll continue to use, but like surround yourself with five people that you look up to and he kind of inserts like whatever you're doing, right? So if you want to surround yourself and become a better entrepreneur, if you surround yourself with five gritty entrepreneurs, you're going to become six at some point. And in the same way that if you surround yourself with like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at age now at 38 that like, I'm not really interested in going out to a club. Like it's just, it's just not me. Like to me, like paying for bottles and shit like that. I do this shit at home, <laughs> like, like with friends that I actually want to talk to. Right. So 
if you surround yourself with people like that, five other people that you really don't want to emulate them, like you're likely going to become the six at some point because our environment plays a role. So I think going back to like what it means to chase real dopamine is it goes back to like what, what it means to, to, for you to be a high performing human, you know, what are the things that really help you to feel like you're getting what you need out of life? What refills your cup? For me living in Arizona, like I love the sunlight. I, I really, I, I hurt for people that in the winter months that don't see it. And I'm like, dude, I, I might complain about it when it's, you know, 120 out at times in the summer, but even then, like I'm, I'm accustomed to it. I still need the sun. So like, for me, like that's one dopamine hit that I'm like, I have to have this hugging on my kids, hugging my wife. Like those are things from the realm of like, not only what dopamine does, but what oxytocin does for you. So like. I think it, it honestly goes back to Luke, like, what are the things that help to fill your cup? Like, and if you don't have any awareness around that, you probably need some different eyes to help you understand what those things are, because I may not have been able to help every client that I've worked with to get the six pack that they were looking for, but you know what? I did help them understand how to get their, how to get their needs met, how to communicate them and how to take care of themselves in the process of all the hats that they wear. So I will say like, that's the biggest takeaway that I find with people where it's like, this is going to take some time. I'm not in control of what happens here. You actually are. I can only guide you. But from a result standpoint, I may not have been able to create the results in the six months that we try to map out, but you know what? You're a better human. And I think you take that shit to the bank. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I think with coaching, like everyone's job is to do no harm. And mm -hmm. second off is to leave people in a place better than where they came to you in. And that's going to look different for everybody. And like you alluded to, a lot of people come with very specific outcome goals when it comes to coaching. Yeah. But if I can get you to a place where maybe you change your goals or you reframe what it, you know, what you think is important to you and you leave in a place where you're in a better headspace, maybe you, you know, didn't lose the last 15 pounds, mm -hmm. but you're training more, you're sleeping better, you're feeling more fulfilled in your, in your life. Um, to me, that is the ultimate victory as a coach, more so than like yeah. getting you a physical body transformation. Of course, that's going to be yeah. part of it for some people, but I think people have to appreciate the fact going back to this evolution word, like your goals and your mindset is going to evolve over time. And sometimes working with somebody can really help with that. And, um, I, I love everything you just said about the dopamine stuff. It's just, it's spot on really. I just feel like there's so many empty dopamine hits, oxytocin, mm -hmm. serotonin, all these like feel good hormones that can be elicited. Yeah. But when you actually like, you know, you said hug your kids or yeah, hot or cold exposure, or you get in the sun, if you're able to mm -hmm. do that this time of the year, right. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you get a good workout in, or, you know, you stop using your phone or you only use Instagram for 20 minutes a day when you're using it for an hour and 20 minutes a day. Like that's in itself, like a, a victory or a moral win yeah. count towards the end of the day. And for me, like we kind of keep coming back to this concept of like being a high performing human. And what that means is just in again, improving your baseline to mm -hmm. a point where you're at a higher operating capacity, you can handle yeah. more, you know, you can, um, appreciate more. And when you drop below that line, you fucking feel it, right? If you have yeah. it where you're mindlessly scrolling, you wake up later, you, hit you. News on the alarm, <laughs> yeah. you feel like shit at the end of the day. And that might have been your baseline at one point in your life. So we can get you to a point where that's happening yeah. less frequently, or you get pissed off on yourself when you revert back to those old behaviors man, that's, that's where this whole high-performing definition comes into play for me, at least where we just get you operating Agreed. in a better place where you can handle more and, and appreciate what life has to offer instead of getting sucked into all the other shit that we get bombarded with. So I love it, dude. I'm going to end the podcast on this note. Thank you for spending your yeah. minutes with me today. Really good conversation. And, um, I want you to plug yourself. I'll enter everything into the show notes as well. And your podcast, yeah. any website stuff that you have, but tell people where they can find you, man. Yeah. Um, so a lot of places that I'm active, uh, obviously Instagram at Desi Abeda. come by, hit the link in bio. You know, the, the projects right now that I'm super passionate about is my podcast. I can't believe I made a podcast. Uh, Luke, when we're done here, I would love to get you scheduled because I would love to continue this convo and hear your story, dude. Uh, you know, the uh, the affection is mutual, my friend. 
So uh, that's one place, a, a lot of energy that I'm really throwing uh, myself into because I, I deeply believe in it. It's provided me with a lot of opportunities of where I am today. So that's one place. Um, and you know what? Like I, I mean, this is the value of community, right? So when I first started my business inside of a mastermind, I uh, ended up connecting with five other friends. And you know, since 2019, we've spoken almost every day. And uh, we've actually created a business collective where the six of us are mentoring uh, dietitians and fitness coaches on, on how to build their their dream business. And I think uh, as the six of us continue to thrive and and continue how to you know mold our, our businesses and our idea to the uh, you know consumer market as it changes, I, I think you know just kind of projecting forward like those are the two things that I'm I'm really excited about. Uh, obviously, I have my coaching programs. Where I am from a capacity standpoint, uh, I've just been really intentional about working people on a one-to-one -one basis uh, and capping that because I just, I know my energy output. So uh, yeah, you guys can find me there. Uh, come shoot a follow, subscribe, you know, come say hi. Uh, and if, you know, a message resonates with you, share it, share it with someone that you care about. So yeah, Luke, I'm uh, incredibly grateful, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you and your time, man. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.